Hello, and welcome to the Veronida podcast. I'm your host, Tiz, and together we're going to dive into the world of digital marketing, advertising, privacy, and how all of this ties to the blockchain. Before we get started, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Varanida underscore V-A-D or find us online at Varanida.com. Today, I am joined by Frédéric Montagnon of LGO Exchange. Frédéric is one of our advisors. He is also an investor and a serial entrepreneur who's been involved with the publishing and advertising industry for many years. Hi, and welcome back for another uh, episode of the Varanida podcast and screencast. Uh, today, I am with Fred Montagnon, who's the CEO of LGO uh, Market, LGO Consulting, L- LCO Exchange. Um, and welcome to our show. <laughs> yes, hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> It's nice to see you. Um, could you... Fred, could you tell us uh, what you do and, and could you present yourself for uh, our audience? Yes, of course. So I'm an entrepreneur for 18 years now. Uh, mm-hmm. I used to be in the media, the ad tech industry. So mm-hmm. ad tech is about advertising. And uh, six to seven years ago, I started investing into the, um, the crypto space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really amazed by um, the blockchain technology in general. Uh, so I'm an engineer, basically. And, um, and uh, for me, it was... Um, Uh, when I discovered um, the, this, uh, this uh, movement of, of uh, blockchain entrepreneurs and, and, and projects, I saw that it was definitely a solution for uh, what I saw growing uh, at the problem with, um, with a centralized platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started investing uh, quite a while now. And uh, two years ago, we started working on uh, LGO, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically an exchange. And uh, we want this exchange to be uh, totally transparent for the users, uh, totally compliant, totally regulated. Mm-hmm. So we actually want to, uh, to bring a, a fresh new air into this, uh, this area of exchange, uh, bringing uh, a solution uh, for the really high-end and, uh, and, uh, and institutional investors mm-hmm. uh, to be able to enter this market. Because uh, today, uh, when you are a hedge fund, when you are a family office or a VC, It's quite difficult uh, not to say impossible uh, to, uh, to enter the, the, the crypto market respecting the regulation. Yeah. Uh, and, and before getting back to the blockchain and the crypto space, uh, could you tell me a little bit more about, uh, so you said you were an engineer and then what led you to, to what you're doing now? Um, you've, you've launched a couple of companies. Yeah, we um, actually yeah, I work with the same people for uh, for uh, more than 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started with um, with a blog platform mm-hmm. uh, back in 2002, I think. Um, and the idea basically was to uh, offer a solution back in time uh, for users to uh, to publish content very easily. So um, basically, as for my uh, my mother and father, uh, who doesn't know anything about the internet and um, finding a solution, really easy interface to publish content. So now it's just very straightforward to do that. Uh, in the internet we know, but uh, uh, close to uh, 16, 17 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that was really painful to do. Yeah. Um, and then doing that, uh, so the reason why, um, to answer your question, the reason why it was very important to be uh, technical at that time is that uh, cloud computing was not existing. Uh, so we, we, we needed to to build everything by ourselves. So the infrastructure was really, really a key, a key asset for, the, for us. And being able to scale a platform was, uh, was, was 
probably the, the, the reason why we, um, we ended up with a successful platform more than the products at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we, um, more and more, we moved to uh, the monetization of the audience and we ended up uh, doing advertising and advertising platform. And it's probably the reason why we linked now um, with Varadida, uh, as uh, we both are used to be in the crypto space mm-hmm. and uh, in the advertising industry. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds interesting. There's a couple of things there. Like, first of all, I can definitely tell that through the different companies that you've built, it sounds like the thread is you trying to democratize something, whether that's with the blogs or now with the access to like crypto exchanges and and trying to make it easier for people to access that it mm-hmm. it, it sounds like it's something um, that has been following you or that you've been chasing after and uh, and yeah and, and when it comes to like the media space obviously that's why we're we're really excited to have you here as part of the Varanita um, advisors um, could you tell me about your previous experiences with uh, TV and secret media yeah, absolutely. So Tiz TV um, is uh, is a company that help the um, the, um, the marketers, the agencies, the brands uh, to reach people through video advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a company that uh, was sold to a telco company uh, two years ago now, and um, which is one of the most important platform in this area. Um, so. Um, uh, that, that's that's where actually I was really deep involved, uh, deeply involved into uh, the advertising industry, and know exactly how actually a brand uh, work with an agency with some platforms in order to uh, distribute some advertising content, mm-hmm. uh, and of course uh, all the ad tech industry. So ad tech is a advertising plus technology mm-hmm. yeah. uh, industry is about how to make sure that uh, you can target. Uh, the right people at the right time, uh, trying not to bother them all the time with uh, with uh, disgusting advertising. Uh, so um, uh, <laughs> the idea we did was to uh, to make sure that we display an advertising at the right time mm-hmm. on the right screen with the right content um, to make sure that we create an impact with the advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really believe that the free internet needs advertising to uh, in order to be uh, financed. Uh, so, but it's important to, to, to find the right balance between uh, too much advertising and uh, and, uh, and and the cost actually to, uh, to produce and to distribute content. Um, so at one point, uh, if we want a free and and, um, and totally open internet, we need to find a solution to monetize. And, um, and of course, um, we need to find a balance uh, between how many time you, um, uh, you, uh, you, you take on the consumer side uh, for advertising and uh, and the uh, and the quality of the content you are you are distributing. So and this is where actually I, I really um, I'm, I'm very interested into what you do. Um, <laughs> I think that the market needs to be cleaned. Uh, there is definitely too much advertising. There is definitely a lack of targeting. There is a lot of issue when it comes to um, to the, the 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 user data. Um, uh, so you need to have data to, to, to target the advertising, but but you don't want the, the advertising platform and the brands and the agency uh, to collect too much data on you, of course. So you want to be your privacy to be respected. And this is where there is a lot to do uh, because the market has, has went crazy. Um, so the, uh, the, the usage today of the cookies and the data is not... Uh, 
is not well regulated. So it's coming now. Um, but I think that even the regulation cannot be really efficient when it comes to, uh, uh, to the, the, the privacy thing. Uh, we see that with Facebook, we see that with Google for a long time. Uh, so I think that at one point, both technology is important. Mm-hmm. And of course, the le- leveraging a community of users to make sure that the, co- the users are integrated into the process of selecting what is good and what is bad is probably the, the, right, the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I really agree with what you said. And obviously, being here as a part of the Varanita team for us, it's really important to find the right balance between, well, you can't really get rid of all the advertising because then a lot of websites that we all like to read would just come crashing down. And there's only a certain amount of websites that can do paywall. There's only a certain amount that can offer free content or do um, other revenue models. But at the end of the day, I think if we if we're able to have cleaner, more ethical advertising practices, then maybe we can find a better a better balance for everyone. Um, no, for sure. There's- yeah, there is one thing uh, interesting uh, to study. This is the price of advertising. Mm-hmm. So for a single uh, banner or video impression, mm-hmm. you can go from one to hundred mm-hmm. uh, in terms of price. Um, that means that, of course, some users are more valuable for a brand uh, rather than others. But you cannot, you cannot. Um, there is no a hundred or a thousand x difference between the users in terms of value. Yeah. Uh, the reason why the market, the spread is so high, and the difference is so is so important is that the targeting uh, and just the, the visibility of of the ads uh, vary a lot, um, and uh, that just show that most of the ad impression are worthless, mm-hmm. both for the user. Uh, for the the, uh, the the publishers and and for the brands themselves. So, um, and, and there is a lot of issues about what we call visibility and viewability uh, of advertising uh, when you are on the, the buyer side. So the buyer side is the people who buy, uh, who pay uh, to uh, to show an advertising. Mm-hmm. So they are looking for now places and impressions where they they know that they will uh, reach people uh, in in a good context. Um, and this is something that, that needs, and they need help actually, both on the, on the publisher, um, on the user side, and on the buyer side as well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we, we, you, can, you can have the idea that having a lot of advertising brings a lot of revenue for, for a publisher, but that, that's not true. Actually, what really matters for, for all this industry um, is not how many advertising you see on a, on a daily basis, but it's do we bring a content that can be uh, interested for you as, or not? Mm-hmm. And, and the timing is important. And of course, where you see the advertising is important. And of course, the messages uh, is important. And, and this is where I think it's um, the difference between advertising and information is not that much important. Um, when you feel that you see an advertising, generally speaking, um, the, 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 the brand that paid for this impression has probably lost his money already. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, at the same time, when you see an advertising that is for a product or brand, something that really matters to you, uh, this is where actually the, uh, where the, the money is worth uh, being spent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is where I think even technology is not enough to make the difference between, uh, between uh, and, and, to, and to, 
to get a, a clear line. Mm-hmm. And this is where a community of people that really, uh, really work together to try to find the right balance is important because at the end of the day, even technology is not is not enough. This is what we see on the market today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it's important also to to understand um, what advertising is about, why it, the the media industry and the internet um, needs advertising and needs this this flow of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also on the user side, um, I think that we we need to to understand that some advertising can be valuable. Yeah. It's not only to pay the media you are, you are um, uh, just accessing to, but it's also because this is a kind of information that can be very valuable and very interesting as well. Um, and um, we all discover products, we all discover new things through advertising. And when it's done really, really cleanly, uh, really efficiently, um, actually you, you don't feel that it's an advertising. And this is where actually we want to uh, uh, to to uh, the, the market to go to to um, to make sure that you will have really few advertising, but those advertising will be uh, very interesting for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really enjoying this conversation, especially because I think you're one of the most uh, accomplished people in this world that I've had the chance to like talk to. Um, so it's really it's <laughs> it's really you. fascinating for me. Um, so having been involved with the advertising industry, what can you tell me about the changes, the changes that we've seen in terms of, you know, ads, ad networks, ad blockers and all the bad practices? Like, how do you think this came about? So um, actually, at, at, at first, the ad block um, plugins and, and solutions were designed not to block the advertising, but to prevent people from stealing your data. Uh, which is very important, um, and and the first uh, the first software I saw was really dedicated on trying to give back to the user the ability to choose what kind of cookies, what kind of data uh, can be um, can be collected from them, mm-hmm. and to uh, and to set actually um, the a kind of filter to avoid people from stealing stealing the data, um, which is I think very important. Then. Uh, because it's very powerful, what you can do with a with a, a browser extension, it ended up with blocking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's not fair <laughs> at that at that, uh, yeah. at that stage. I think giving the ability for for um, a user to choose exactly what someone can collect from him is definitely a good thing. Now blocking everything is not a good thing. Um, the and more and more actually some ad blockers. And especially, uh, AdBlock Plus has become more and more important in the market, and they ended up with building a real business model behind it. Um, and this is where it went more and more problem because at first that was open source software, uh, led by really ideological people, mm-hmm. uh, but it's fine. Um, and at the end of the day, it has become a real business, really profitable. And how does these ad blockers work? Um, Basically, they block everything, and they can um, let you, as an advertiser, as a technology provider, discuss with them and try to find a deal uh, to be able to uh, pass through, actually, the ad blockers. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you have to pay. And this is where, actually, the ad blocking software just went really wrong. Um, Because today, what's what's happening when you are using, as an example, Adblock Plus, is that you don't know that, but 
of course, most of the advertising will be um, will be um, uh, destroyed by the ad blockers, but the data collection will continue to happen. Mm-hmm. So we have we are probably ten years from the the, the start of this uh, ad blocking thing, and at first it was really relevant to um, to give the the user the uh, the ability to choose what kind of data are collected on them. But now it's definitely not. Uh, what the ad blockers are doing. So they prevent the advertising from dis- being displayed. So they prevent the publishers from being able to uh, get money from, from you and to, to, to pay the salary of, of the journalist and, and, and so on. Uh, and uh, on the other side, they don't prevent you uh, from data, data leakage, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, the most important thing. So as a user, I don't care about seeing too much advertising to be to be totally uh, transparent, but I care about what you do with my data. I don't want my healthcare company to be able to know what I'm um, what I'm reading uh, when it comes to healthcare. I, I don't want them to be able to um, estimate how much data I, I'm, 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 I'm reading about some disease, about some uh, some problems that I can have. So this is something that really matters to me. Uh, but I don't care about the advertising uh, display. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly the opposite that the, uh, the ad blockers are doing. So they are making a lot of money uh, cheating with both the advertiser, uh, the users, mm-hmm. and also now uh, just making money, uh, just creating confusion. And one more time, this is where I think that what you are building is, is definitely um, a more balanced and, and, uh, and a very valuable solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one more time, um, Today, what uh, Adblock Plus, uh, to just to mention them, is, is not doing anymore is listening to the community. Mm-hmm. So they are just listening to their business model. They are trying to leverage as much as possible the reach they have. And uh, you, don't, you, you don't understand what you are doing when you are using Adblock Plus, but you are just uh, making money for them. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And they don't protect you anymore. That example, you, what you can do is, uh, if you want to, uh, sorry, but I'm digging a little bit in that. Uh, what you can do is just to watch the whitelist of Adblock Plus mm-hmm. to be convinced. You will see that all the data collection from Google is just going through uh, because Google, Google is paying out them to be able to collect something for Criteo, something for all these companies that are really deep into data um, because the only thing that matters for them is to be able to watch what you are doing Mm-hmm. And they can pay a lot uh, to do that. And at the end of the day, this is what we use with um, uh, with Adblock Plus. So with Adblock Plus, when you when you use them, you are first uh, giving them the opportunity to make money on you uh, instead of the publisher. And plus, you are um, just making the platform like Google and the big platform growing because they are the only one uh, to be able to negotiate um, such a deal with Adblock Plus. Yeah. So it's it's a very for me it's a, it's a very very bad, uh, very dirty actually area of the internet. Yeah, I mean it's whenever I talk to people about what we do at Veranida and uh, last month when we were at the Blockchain Expo conference with the team, one of the first thing I say is, well maybe you're already using an ad blocker, but a lot of them just act like the mafia, like they they tell you that they block the ads, but then they still go to the advertisers and then tell them like give us some money and we'll let your stuff go through so it's 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 definitely very unethical and obviously i'm biased because i'm here working with varanita on this but we really believe that you know because we're on the blockchain because of how we're building 
our product, we're hoping that with the community that we have, we can all mm-hmm. Im- improve and, and, and learn and allow one another to be like, okay, so this advertising is is more acceptable than this one. And, you know, hopefully, like like you said, with the community, it should be um, a whole lot better for, for everyone. And again, we're coming from a background of working uh, in digital marketing and advertising, and we know that realistically, it's not just an ideologic ideological thing of like we want to block everything it's more coming from a pragmatic approach of well ads can sustain the internet but it's just a matter of making it making it transparent and and not tracking people everywhere all the time absolutely um so now i've kind of hinted at it and obviously you're working with or you've set up LGO. So I'd like to talk about your experience now as a startup advisor in the blockchain space and uh, including ICOs. So obviously, I can't not mention how successful the LGO ICO has been. Um, I think it's one of the most, if not the most successful blockchain project coming out of France, right? Um <laughs> in terms of money, in terms of how much money we raised at that time, uh, probably yes. Okay, and so, but, but for me, the real success of an ICO is how much people you you onboard, mm-hmm. uh, more than the money. So, um, uh, I, th- I think you're building a community first mm-hmm. to help you build a cheaper product. Uh, so, how many people you are, uh, you convinced to uh, to join you, is more important than the money you raise, and how many. Uh, uh, where these people are located. So how many, um, I think the ICO is, 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 is a unique um, opportunity for a startup to have a global reach from day one mm-hmm. and to build a global brand from day one, which is very hard to do and to achieve in the in the real world. Um, so um, so for me, the, the, the key metrics is how much people you, you gather into the ICO and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously like having seen the LGO community, you guys have been really good at focusing on you know, where is our community and can we go see them? So when we were in London, we were meeting with some of the other community members. I saw that you guys went to Korea. Um, it's really it's really awesome. Um, but so how did you approach the ICO as you were getting ready to open it up to the public? Um, actually, it was really, um, we didn't expect um, that much interest. Um, from the from the place we we um, uh, we, we finally had um, uh, attraction uh, from, um, so we saw that most of the market was probably um, for us uh, in Europe, in some place, very targeted place uh, mm-hmm. in Asia and uh, in the U.S. And at the end of the day, we we uh, we realized that. Um, the, the lack of transparency and security on exchanges was something totally global, uh, was a global problem. Um, and uh, we ended up having 22% of the um, uh, ICO contributors uh, from, um, from um, uh, Korea. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't have any idea that uh, this problem was, was so, so important for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we actually discovered the market during the ICO. Uh, so we knew exactly what what kind of problem we wanted to solve. We knew exactly uh, how to solve it from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we didn't know was the, the structure of the market and where actually the traction um, 
where actually we, we were solving uh, the most problem. And, um, and this is the beauty of an ICO. So you actually follow your community. And, um, and, and this is something very new for me. I, I, I raised a lot of money for my, my former companies um, from, from the VC world. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you are building a company in France or in the United States, you are taking funds, generally speaking, from local investors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when you do an ICO, we have the opportunity to globally open uh, the opportunity for anyone to participate. And, and this is where it, it, it becomes really interesting. Uh, because you just follow actually your your um, mm-hmm. uh, your community, That's and you amazing. end up <laughs> yeah, with, with with a global market where you thought that uh, it was local at first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I so th- to answer your question, actually, uh, so we are um, we are really reactive and uh, really agile during the ICO. We just uh, we just talk to uh, to uh, as much people as possible, and we follow mm-hmm. them. That's I mean, it's honestly, it's really impressive. Um, I think you have to go soon, so I'm just going to try and ask you uh, one one final question. Um, from your point of view, what makes a successful ICO in 2018? And then if I can ask something else, um, how, how would you say, how can a startup ensure that their success continues after the ICO? Um, so it's a difficult question. <laughs> uh, so first of all, I think that... Um, Having a legit project with a legit team with uh, uh, with with a real idea of solving a real problem is definitely the basics, mm-hmm. and there are there are really few ICOs who are trying to do that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, making something I think successful is first of all trying to solve a real problem, mm-hmm. um, being able to explain what you are doing, what the problems are, what the solutions are, um, very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, Doing that in compliance with the regulation, uh, this is an important thing. Um, I, I still see a lot of um, people who are doing, who are trying to do so, the ICOs without any um, any um, we, um, outside of any regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's important for both the people who are participating and the company and the team uh, mm-hmm. to be uh, to be um, really careful about the regulation. Now, when it comes to um, how to be successful after the ICO, so it's, it's just shipping the product. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it seems to me that um, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's it's a real work of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to uh, to hire the team to to. It's a startup thing, so um, so staying um, staying focused on the product and the community. Yeah, what what is difficult is that with ICO you have to manage a community as well. So the expectation from a community to um, to be transparent on what you do, but mm-hmm. uh, not to do that much in terms of marketing because you you don't want to create over expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, wait, the the the, um, the tricky thing is to is so that you can really work on on the important thing while you are communicating to your community about what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of uh, projects that over communicate on what they do and not do that much uh, and this is where i think it's, it's difficult to uh, to um uh, to manage both both sides so the communication and um and the, and the, um, and the production and the, the the development you have to to do um, one very difficult thing to to um today is that the people are expecting results really really rapidly 
Yeah. Uh, but the truth is that to build a successful company and a successful team, uh, if it's not a company, it takes time because you need to gather people. You need to um, hiring people takes time. Uh, building trust in a team takes time. Uh, making sure that the people work um, well together, it it's also makes time. Takes time. So. The problem is more uh, the expectation from a community uh, to see results rapidly, um, and, and and those people have to to, to keep in mind that, uh, generally speaking, before um, a project is, is successful at scale, it generally takes between five and seven years in the real world. But the thing is that it's not because you are in crypto world that it's not the real world, because you have real human <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. and uh, and it takes time. So I must say that. Um, um, what is difficult is to to um, to um, make the community and the, the people who support you understand that the really big success and big project will take years uh, to achieve their goals, and uh, and both for 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 the um, for the, the 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 team and both for the uh, the backers, mm -hmm. it's important to, to be aligned with this idea that we are on a long term. Uh, prospective and not just for a really short term. I know there are a lot of traders uh, in this industry today, but I think that the big, big success, even for for the the backer side, uh, is when you choose the right the right team and you want just to stay on on, a, on on the token and hold the token for a long time. Mm -hmm. And even if ODAL is a, is a, is a, is a, probably the most appreciated keyword, yeah, I see people who are want to, to trade all the time so it's i think that if you really want to be successful at uh, being a token holder uh, you need to be careful on the project you are you are you are um, backing mm -hmm. and and to accept that it takes years yeah but if you say i think this is where you you make a lot of uh, of money at the end of the day <laughs> yeah so focusing on patience at a time when everything accelerates Awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, thanks a lot. I, I know that you're pretty busy, so I really appreciate having you here to have this conversation with me. Thank you very much. <laughs> if you're listening to this as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, make sure to subscribe and feel free to leave us a review. Otherwise, catch us on Anchor under the username Varanida or anchor.fm slash Varanida. On Anchor, you can interact with us and share your questions and thoughts. And every few weeks, we'll take your questions and respond in a Q&A. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at varanida_vad or find us online at varanida.com.